Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla and this is episode 32. Today I am so excited to introduce you to someone who I really look up to and admire spiritually and that is Brooke Snow. So let me tell you a little bit about Brooke. She's a mom to two, her kids are nine and four and she's also a podcaster. She has a great podcast that I was introduced to a few years ago and I love listening to her podcast. She talks a lot about self-improvement and she offers courses and coaching and, and all of that. And it's all all of this self-improvement, but also with a spiritual bent. She pulls the gospel into it. And I really love the way that she does it. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So um, she just recently wrote a book called The Two Identities, which I have read. And it is incredible. I would highly recommend it. Okay, you guys, I'm interjecting here because I made a huge mistake when I mentioned the name of Brooke's new book. It is about your two identities, but that is not the proper title of the book. And I wanted to make sure that you know the proper title is Living in Your True Identity. And then the subtitle is Discover, Embrace, and Develop Your Own Divine Nature. So sorry about that mix up. And now back to the podcast. So I'm going to link up all of that in the show notes so that you can find Brooke and all of the resources that she has. She does mention some of her resources in the interview, like one of her classes. And so that will all be in the show notes at spirituallymindedmom.com. So you can go there. But I think you're going to love this interview. Um, Some of the things that we talk about is comparison. You know, that's a big you know, a big thing that we moms face is comparison. So we talk about that and how she's been able to overcome that. We talk about self-care and she has an ever-evolving definition of self-care and you're going to love her take on that. And we also discussed repentance and how repentance is connected with motherhood and how she uses repentance every day. It's absolutely incredible. Finally, we talk about prayer and This is something that I personally have been thinking a lot about, about how to make my prayers more meaningful. And she has a method of praying and she tells kind of how that's evolved for her over the years and how she's gotten to the point where she can actually feel the Savior right next to her as she's praying and she visualizes him. And it is absolutely incredible what she shares. So I know you're going to love this interview. And so um, without any more introduction, here is Brooke Snow. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. I have a great guest with me today that I am so excited to interview, and it is Brooke Snow. So Brooke, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know you, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about your family and what do you guys love to do together? So my name is Brooke Snow. I live in northern Utah. I have a very calm husband and two very spirited children. <laughs> and I have a nine-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl. And we love to work together and play together. Some of the things that, it's funny because with a four-year-old, we're just kind of starting to be able to do some other things as a family that we couldn't before with younger kids. And so we love to cook 
and to bake and to do art projects and crafts and read stories and be outside, hike and bike and just be together. Oh, that's great. And I, I was thinking that when you were talking like age four or five, that's when everything starts to shift. Yeah. <laughs> and you can like do a lot of different things as a family. So that that sounds really fun. That's great. It is fun. So tell me a little bit about motherhood. When you first became a mother, what surprised you the most? Probably that I wasn't like naturally good at it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people and, say that. Yeah. You know, that it was one of those things that don't come with a manual. And I, it really brought my weaknesses to the forefront. And I basically just showed me a whole lot of areas to develop because I had never had an experience like that before that would allow me to do that. And I was never one that babysat children. I did have two younger siblings, but I just didn't grow up being super motherly. And so this is an opportunity to learn and grow. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that, that, it, you know, you, you think, oh, this is how it's going to be. And then you get that first baby and you're like, what is this? <laughs> what did I sign up for here? Yeah, it can, it can be, that can be very surprising. So one of the struggles that you told me about when we were prepping for the interview, one of the things that you've experienced in motherhood is comparing your gifts with someone else's gifts. And that has been a struggle for you in the past. So how do you deal with comparison in motherhood? It's everywhere. We hear about it all the time. And then what specific things do you do to avoid that and just to embrace who you are? I think there's a few things like the first one is to know what my triggers are. And for me, one of my triggers is social media. And I know that social media can do so much good. And I know that the Lord calls people to be an influence and a light and to do good there. And I think that's so awesome. And I also know that I'm not one of those people. <laughs> right. <laughs> for me, it's a place that's a trigger to feeling jealousy and feeling comparative thoughts and that I'm not good enough. I also tend to be a lurker or like a, um, like I consume information rather than contribute because I'm more of an introverted person. And so that's like how I experience social media is the quiet way, right? And so I think because of those tendencies, I can go into that comparative mindset super fast. And so I've done like multiple social media fasts, like for this year, 2018, from January all the way through July, like that's seven months. And I was wow. off. And I just noticed the difference for me personally. So I have really high boundaries <laughs> to like protect myself from going down like the rabbit hole or just getting into places that I know can take me down. So that is something that I think has been important for me is to know what those triggers are. For other people, maybe it's like certain relationships or friendships or groups or places or anything like that that can just trigger, you know, like, oh, I never feel good right. when I'm around this person. <laughs> right, right. Or when I'm with this group of people or whatever it may be. So I think knowing what those triggers are and then putting appropriate boundaries in place. And sometimes we can totally eliminate those places or people from our life. And sometimes we totally can't. Right. <laughs> Maybe they're part of our family. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but to know how to have a boundary there that will keep us safer and help us to have a better experience. Another thing I think that is important for me with dealing with comparison 
first is to know what my own gifts are. And second is to have a learning heart. And what I mean by that is, for example, one of the ways that I have often compared myself and had come up short in motherhood is I look at people, and this is what I get jealous of in other people, in their mothering. I'll see that they're so playful and they're so creative and they're always going on adventures together. And I think of my sister. My sister is an incredible like adventurer with her kids and super fun and spontaneous. And she, those are her natural gifts. Like she came to earth that way (laughs) and I have natural gifts too, but they're different. And so I've often looked at her and I'm like, Oh, I, I am not a fun mom. I don't do creative things. I don't like my house to get all messy with paint and stuff everywhere. (laughs) And and I, I should be so much more like that, but I'm not, I'm like the serious mom. And Yet, when I can understand and have like a learning heart, I can see that I would like to develop those things that are less natural to me and know that they're going to express differently. Like if I try to be playful, it's going to look a lot different from my naturally default of like being more serious and introverted, but I can still be playful. It's just going to look different. And express differently. And so just being able to have it be my version of what playful is or my version of what adventurer is. And, uh, and again, too, with the learning heart concept, knowing that I can grow and I can acquire those things. Like, for example, like you'll see this theme right now of me knowing that I'd like to be more creative and more fun and like do more playful celebratory things and we have the holidays coming up and I have been not a very elaborate celebrator (laughs) and I would like to actually get better at that so there's this awesome sister in my ward and she's like so good at holidays like she does parties and she's super creative and she decorates her house and she has all these fun traditions and I don't do any of that like one year I didn't even put up a tree because we weren't gonna be there Christmas day <laughs> and I'm like what's the point <laughs> but I want to be better and so I asked her like I sent her a text message and I'm like I know you're really good at this would you mind teaching me like what are some of your traditions that you do? And like, how do you do these fun things together? She was so awesome. She's like, come on over. And so this morning I went to her house and I brought a notebook and like for an hour and a half, she like told me how she celebrates the holidays and gave me all these ideas. And it was so awesome. And no, of course I'm not going to do it exactly the way she does, but I realized just in having that learning heart of this is what I'm usually jealous about. This is where I usually come up short and think I'm so bad at this and I just can't do it like this person. But instead, I turn it around and I'm like, how can I do it in a way that will help me grow and develop some of these gifts and in a way that is supportive to me? Like, what does it look like for Brooke to decorate and have fun and to celebrate and have new traditions? And what does it look like for Brooke to be playful and to have adventures? So it was just so fun, you know, to to go in and to have her be, and she was so excited to share all this stuff because it's her natural gift. And so I think for me too often I have compared myself and I've thought, oh, that's them and that's me. I'm always going to be the serious person <laughs> who doesn't have fun. And they're always going to be the people that do this so good. But instead having that growth mindset of, 
but I don't have to be that way. I can, I can learn and develop this. And that's when it gets fun instead of oppressive. (laughs) Okay. So many good things that you said there. So I love that you talk about triggers, like being able to recognize, and I would think, you know, being able to see how does it make me feel when this happens? And, you know, how does it make me feel when I'm on social media and just recognizing those triggers? That's sounds like that's kind of your first step. And then figuring out what your gifts are and then embracing them in in the way that you were made, the way that you came. So I love that you reached out to someone. But let's go back to that second part. How do you know what your gifts are? What if someone's like, I don't have any gifts or, you know, I don't know what they are. How do you discover those? Oh, I think there's lots of ways. If If you really don't know where to start with yourself, like that's not something that you can just automatically see, then... I think having the vulnerability to ask people who you trust and who know and love you and say, what do you see like that is something that I'm good at? I mean, I could ask my mom that I could ask my sister that my close friends. And the thing is about asking other people is that you start to see overlap. You start to see that a lot of the same things start to show up. I mean, you can also pray about it, ask the Lord for direction and guarantee like you ask the Lord and all of a sudden little experiences start to happen or people will give you a compliment on something or point out something that you're good at. Mm -hmm. And so like when we're open to being shown what those things are, then they can totally happen that way too. Oh, that's great. I love that advice. And I love that you reached out to your, your friend to say, show me how you do this. And you weren't trying to copy her, be exactly like her. Right. And I I know um, I have one child that is so creative, like just wants to be making something all the time. And I am so not like that. And it's, I have been praying about it and wondering, you know, what can I do for this child to nurture that in her? And I was talking to a friend who's a cake decorator and I was telling her how I tried to make a cake with my daughter from scratch and followed this, you know, someone else that had posted recipes and stuff. And it was a complete disaster. Like the cake was terrible. And you know, and I was so frustrated by the end. And my friend, I was t- I'm like, you know, do you have better recipes? And she's like, oh, just send your daughter over to my house and I'll help her. And I was like, great. You know, so she's oh, like, awesome. the next yeah. time I'm making a cake, I'm going to send her over. And I was like, yes, that is so awesome. So you know, you don't have to feel like you have to be equipped with everything. You can just be who you are and then fill in the gaps with in other ways. I think. And it takes a village. So if your friend is going to be the cake person. (laughs) That's right. If my daughter wants to be a cake decorator, she's not going to learn it from me, but there are are ways I can help her do that. So that's great. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, because I love your take on self-care, which is like, if there was a buzzword going on right now for women, it would be self-care. We hear about it all the time, and there's all these different takes on it. So I would love to know, what is your definition of self-care, and then how do you implement it in your life? So here's the thing. My definition of self-care changed yesterday. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is awesome. I love it. (laughs) Actually, like, I still believe everything that I've already taught before about self-care, and I just did two podcasts myself on Okay, I I listened to those. I'm going to link those in the show notes because they're amazing. So go listen to Brooke's podcast in the show notes about self-care. And then here's the to be continued part. Yes. Share with us your new definition. So I was reading a book yesterday. The book is actually called Extreme Self-Care. And it's by Cheryl Richardson. Okay. And her definition, I don't even know if it was her definition, but she was just talking about it. And she says self-care is mothering yourself. 
Oh, that's good. And I just like, I read that. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, that is what it is, right? It is like being nurturing to you and loving to you. And in a way that helps you to develop into who the Lord created you to be. And it just sounds like so caring and so loving. And when I thought about it that way too, I'm like mothering, like mothering myself. If I can get really good at mothering me, it automatically goes into me being a better mother to my children. Right. But it has to start here. And there's, I mean, so much in our culture and stuff like that, we're like, oh, we think it's selfish or anything like that. But as soon as it was like turned around for me and it was like, it's mothering. That's it's just, so great. Isn't it good? That I is so it. good. Like, I'm just like still <laughs> absorbing that. And really that that's the first step in motherhood that in mothering is for yourself. Do it, do it for yourself. I'm thinking of the word nurture when you were talking about that. You know, we heard about nurturing as a, you know, how to do that as women in conference. Elder Irene had a great talk about that. And let's nurture ourselves first. And then we can go out and and give all that to everyone else. I love that definition. That, that is fantastic. And you know what else? Like I was really thinking about it this morning while I was praying and we don't have a lot of information about Heavenly Mother at all. But like, as I like think about her, like there's just a feeling and a spirit about what kind of mother she is. And if she was like right here with me, how she would take care of me. Like we may, we have earthly mothers that are awesome or they do their best, but they're still human and <laughs> they're learning. Like my children have a mother who's learning. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, we all get that. But my heavenly mother, like she is so perfect at mothering and nurturing and forgiving me for all of the things that I'm still learning how to do. And as I can take that same principle of of mothering, like from that eternal mother perspective and treat myself that way, it just changes everything. And it just feels so gentle and kind and good oh, and great and just so progressive like if i can do this then i'm making an influence on everybody that i interact with in a mothering way yes that is so good and it really it starts with us and if we can do that it trickles down and and we're able to give that same like those same qualities that we think of in our heavenly mother kindness gentleness grace we can give those to our children so yeah, much more absolutely. if we give them to ourselves first. Right. Right. I love, I love that. That is such a great way to think of, to think of it. So, so what, what can a mom do if she wants to take that first step towards really having this mothering aspect of self-care towards herself? What, what would you recommend as the first step? For me, I think we need to know what feels nurturing to us. Like even taking like a five minute time to journal and like, what are the things, activities or things that I can do that really nurture me? And I think we fool ourselves sometimes into thinking things are nurturing that really aren't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I so need a break right now. I'm going to go to Facebook and it's going to make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't really, you know, nurture the way that we hope that it's going to, or we fool ourselves that it's going to. 
Um, but to like be real serious about it, um, what is it really in my life that I can, a place I can go or things that I can do that really feeds my soul and reminds me who I really am? Because I think that's what true nurture is, is anything that brings me back to my true identity. And for me, those activities include yoga and meditation and prayer and scripture study and spending time outside and exercise. And like I mentioned before, I am an introvert. I get up like an hour and a half before my family because I need that time to myself without interruption Mm -hmm. where I can just be nurtured. I can just mother me for a little bit. And that's super, super helpful. And so really knowing what it is that fills you up. Because it is different for everybody, you know? Yeah. And when we can prioritize that and, and make it a daily, daily experience, I think that the consistency of it is really important. Because just like if you're a plant, like you don't water, you don't water, you don't water, and the plant just like starts to wither, 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 wither. Right. <laughs> and like plants, will do a whole lot better even with just a few drops of consistent water than like to go long periods of total drought and then to get like this onslaught of water. Like it just, I know Nellie Maxwell has a quote, it's steady devotion is better than periodic exhaustion. Oh, I like that. That's good. And I mean, you can apply it in so many ways, like whether it's prayer, like the practice of prayer, practice of scripture study. And I think it also applies to the practice of mothering yourself, that self-care, that the consistency of it is going to reap far greater growth in our life than the hit and miss. Right? Yeah. And that, and you know, when you, when you're talking about the plant and that rush of water coming in when it's been a drought, you know, it's like, I mean, I was thinking of, you know, if, you, if all you think of self-care is the weekend away with your girlfriends or, yeah. you know, and that's all you ever get, that's exactly what that is. But you don't have to wait for that. You can have it right now. And I love that. I love what you're saying about just doing it daily and not, we don't have to complicate it. It doesn't have to be anything huge. Just those little things will all add up to be something really great. I have lots of houseplants and (laughs) my, my neighbor, she just gave me six ferns that are like all the size of Texas each. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And they're like hanging in baskets. They were out on her patio for the summer Anyway, like if you, you water a hanging basket and like you water it till the water starts running out the bottom, right? Well, if you wait till those hanging basket, those plants get too dry, the water doesn't even stay in the pot. Like it just rushes straight through. Which is not giving any nourishment, right? No, right? So like that's an, like another, to continue with that analogy of the self-care, like you wait and wait and wait for till that weekend away. <laughs> And yes, it can be nourishing, right? But you're still not going to absorb as much as you would have had you been consistently getting the nourishment all along. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because you think about you come back and then you've got to jump back back into your life. And there's nothing there if you're not giving yourself, you know, something there to hold on to and to keep you going and to, you know, just help you revive yourself. I love that, that you're talking about doing it daily. That, that is a really important key right there. That is great. Well, another thing that I wanted to talk to you about is repentance. And this was something, 
I thought no one has ever shared this in this in this way before, but you told me what the Bible dictionary defines repentance as, and it's a fresh view about yourself, God, and the world. And that is what you kind of your parenting philosophy is and how you live with motherhood. So how, what is repentance and motherhood? How do they go together? Oh, like they still go together. <laughs> I know. So I want to hear your take on this. Well, you know, I, I think every experience that I've had that has been negative in parenting, it's because I've not been seeing correctly. So I've been telling myself a story like, my child is too hard. My child is difficult. My child won't do this. Or I can't do this. I am stressed. I am overwhelmed. I am not having my needs met. And those are all stories. And they become true because I'm telling the story and I'm making it true, right? And this definition of repentance is a fresh view about yourself, about God, and about the world. And so repentance to me is the Lord showing me how things can be, giving me a new view, helping me see the truth of things, helping me see your child isn't difficult. This is who your child really is. So I see his true nature and what his gifts are, or I see what our family can be like. And I think I've, most of my life, I've thought of repentance only as something to be reserved for major sin, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and yet I actually, I also got a new definition of sin this week. (laughs) It's so good. Like, hold on on to your hats. This is amazing. The definition of sin that I found, any thought or behavior that puts you in a loveless state. Okay. That's great. That totally covers it, right? That's... Yeah. I like like, that loveless state. Right. Because God is love. When you're not feeling love, and and it's either because of behavior or something that you have thought in your mind. And those stories... Like, oh, I can't do this, or they can't do this. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a lot of stories that go on in our home, right? <laughs> right. And so those are sins, and yes. we need to repent yes. of it. I get it. Yes, I love that connection. So yes. we are experiencing those moments where we don't feel love, right? We may feel anxiety, anger, stress, overwhelm, frustration, total annoyance, irritation. <laughs> like, we've all experienced those feelings, and when we're in that state, rather than a state of love, we are in a state of sin. We have separated ourselves from who we truly are, from who the truth of who someone else is, and the object and design of why we are here on earth. Because we are here on earth to experience joy. Yeah. So if we're not experiencing that, then we're in a state of sin. So we need repentance to bring that fresh yeah. view about God, ourself, and the world. And it, like with that new view, we are returned to that state of feeling love. So part of my practice with prayer every day, I always end the day, and, and sometimes I start the day the same way. I have two questions that I ask the Lord every single day. The first one is, what do I need to repent of? And... I ask him, it usually, like, often I already know, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but often, too, it's like I can even look at my life and say, where am I not feeling love right now? 
And, and then in repentance, it's like, can you give me a new view of this? Help me to see this differently because that's repentance. It's a new view. Yeah. The second question that I ask every single day is what is my next step? And I feel like this has been such an amazing question because the Lord answers us line upon line, precept on precept. And I have found that when I'm not getting an answer from the Lord, it's because I'm not asking the right question. He always he always answers, but I may not recognize it because I'm asking it like level 10 or line yeah. 10, or like line upon line. And he's like, oh, Brooke, you got to come back down to line one. I'm giving that answer before I'm giving line 10. Makes <laughs> and so sense. When I ask him, like, what is the next step? What is the next step in improving my relationship with my son? What is the next step in improving, improving the relationship with my husband? What is the next step in helping our family to be able to serve together better or whatever thing it is that we're working on or we need to improve or anything like that. And he always answers because next steps are easy. They're like simple mm -hmm. answers and I can totally do them. And so anyway, that's been, that is how repentance has helped my motherhood because I often need a fresh view. I need to like return yeah. to that state of love and repentance is the way to do it. That that is so great. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this in multiple times and just really <laughs> absorb that. It's so good and it's making perfect sense to me. What you're saying is just to ask what the next step is, not the whole picture. That's my problem. I tend to want the whole picture. We don't need to know the whole picture. God doesn't need to tell us all of that. That is so great. Just to think, give me something doable that I that is the next thing that I can do, and then I'll do that, and then I'll come back to you and ask for the next thing. That. That is so profound. That is so what we need. We, I think generally as women, we just overwhelm ourselves with all the things and we don't need to. God is, doesn't work that way. That, that is so, so good. I love it. Well, and with the next step, like it's easy to return and report on that, right? Yes. So I ask him in the morning, what is my next step? And it's only one thing. And I hope that I can do the one thing like yeah. that day. Like seriously, those those next steps are small and they're simple and things that I can do that day. And then I can return and I can report to him that night and we can talk about it. And if I need a fresh view again, then we work yeah. on that and, yeah. and getting back to that state of love. And I really believe that that is like the secret to progress is that we just work on the next step and then the next step and we just keep going. <laughs> You're like the ultimate example of progress. I mean, you've given us two new definitions that you've learned in the last day. <laughs> so this is this is so great. Okay, so you mentioned prayer. We, we talked about prayer and these two questions that you ask. I know that meditation is also a big part of your prayer. So recently, the reason I want to ask this question is recently I shared on my Instagram account a, a kind of a different way that I pray where I'm writing down once a week, here's all the things I'm grateful for, here's all the things I would like help with, and I pull that out and review it every time I pray. And the response to that was like, wow, that's really different. And I thought, you know, people really think of prayer kind of as one one way to do it, and there's not one way to do it. So I'd love to open up people's minds to here's some other ways that we can pray. So tell me about meditation for you and what that looks like. So meditation for me, it is prayer, but it is a deeply contemplative, powerful prayer. And several years ago, I read a quote by Soren Kierkegaard. He's a Danish philosopher from the 18th century. 
And his words on prayer totally changed my life. And I'm paraphrasing. And you would think that if it totally changed my life, I could quote out your word for word. (laughs) (laughs) The gist of the quote is that at first a man thought prayer was talking until he became more and more quiet and learned that prayer is listening. Mm. And for pretty much most of my life, prayer was talking. That was it. And, and, you know, I learned how to, at the end of a prayer, to be quiet and listen for a feeling. Like, how did I feel? Do I, like, if I asked a question, do I feel peace? Maybe if I was asking a question, a certain word would come to my mind. And I think this is all right and good. And it's definitely a level of personal revelation. And at the same time, as I have learned how to become more and more quiet and to not do all the talking, I have found that I'm giving the Lord more time to talk, (laughs) that he will actually communicate more than just a feeling and more than just a word. Like, he can speak in paragraphs. He can speak in, like, chapters. He does so in the scriptures to the prophets. And, And now, today, I can say he totally does that to me all the time. Like, I have a conversation with him. But it has taken time for me to learn how to actually do that. And I think part of it is because in the church, like, we learn how to pray by the flip chart. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Like, dear Heavenly Father, we ask thee, we thank thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And we need that. Like, we need something that is really simple to be able to learn. And there's so much more beyond that primary model of how to pray. And so when I read this quote by Soren Kierkegaard, I'm like, how do I experience this in just listening? So a couple of years ago, I began a practice of meditation and I really started to learn how to be comfortable with just silence and listening instead of just going in and rattling off my list of things that I always prayed for, like even in the exact same order, like I had repeated prayers. And I remember I had been meditating for a while and one day I went to pray at night and I was really tired. And there were people in our neighborhood that we were praying for particularly a a friend of mine, he had pneumonia, he was really ill, he really needed our prayers. And I thought to myself, oh, I just, I wish that I could pray without using words. Like, because I'm so tired, like my brain is so tired right now that just coming up with the words, even though the words might be the same thing I say every night, it just, it felt like too much for me to do. And so I decided to pray in pictures. Like what would happen if I just imagined my friend and I imagined him not in his state of sickness and suffering, but I imagined him in the state of health and recovery and wholeness. I instead imagined what I hoped for him in a healed state rather than a suffering state. Because I think sometimes when we pray for ourselves or others like we still have that picture in our head of like how things are in the present rather than how things Mm. can be in the future and to me that's what hope is is the picture of what we hope comes to pass and so that's what I did that night is I prayed for my friend and I just 
did it all in pictures. I didn't say any words. And it was so powerful, amazingly powerful prayer. And I didn't say a single word. And so I knew that I was onto something for my own like spiritual path. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I've never had pictures in my prayer before, like to use like visualization. And so for a little while, that's just what I focused on was just seeing a prayer rather than saying a prayer. And mm -hmm. my goodness, like nothing was the same every day. <laughs> like there, I, it was just so different from that repetitive, mindless experience because I was using my mind in a mindful way rather than a mindless way. And so I learned how to pray with pictures. I learned how to see when I pray. And when you see something and you say something, you automatically feel something. So like I experienced more emotion in my prayers, praying that way. And I also began to visualize Jesus Christ with me in the same space as me while I prayed. And I have to preface, I actually had a mentor who suggested that I visualize Christ in the room with me while I pray. And when I first tried it, it was really hard, mm -hmm. like really difficult. Like I couldn't do it. And I had some personal things that I needed to work through, like beliefs about how he felt about me and who I was and that I was afraid of like being in that same space as him. And after I worked through that now, like today, I always visualize Jesus Christ in the same room as me. In fact, my prayers are very visual today. Like I don't pray without pictures anymore, but because of that visualization element in my prayer, it makes that conversation element so easy and natural. So going back to that quote about prayer is listening, I actually can hear better what he's saying to me because I can see him. And it's fun because I've been teaching my son. We have prayer lessons at night. And oh, so, so good. <laughs> we, like, I never knew these things until I was like in my late thirties and it's changed my life and how I pray. And so I'm like, I have to teach my kids and kids have amazing imaginations. And it's been like super easy for him to grasp onto this whole concept of using your imagination when you pray. But we had a conversation together and I said, okay, so how do you think you're going to hear what I say? If you're upstairs in your room and I'm in the kitchen, do you think you're going to hear very much from me? And he's like, no. I'm like, you're just going to be yelling at me stuff, right? <laughs> and I think that's like so often how I pray to God. It was like me being upstairs, yelling down to the kitchen, like, this is what I'm thankful for. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I hope I can have some help with. And, I, and then I said to him, how do you think the conversation is different when I'm in the same room with you? He's like, well, it's totally different. Like, I can hear you and you can hear me. I'm like, yeah, and that's the same with prayer. Like, as we are able to visualize the Lord in the same space as we are and we can see him, it's so much easier to actually hear his voice and to naturally be able to pause and listen and wait for those responses to come. Oh, so, so good. You have given me so much to think about. <laughs> That's great. You know what? I mean, we could t we you could tie all of this back to everything that you've said. I'm thinking 
okay, if I want to improve my prayers, what do I need to do? I need to go to the Lord and say, what is the next step for me? Because, because, so if anyone's out there feeling like, I don't know, I could, I don't know that I can ever visualize the savior standing, sitting next to me. You didn't just start out and that was automatic. So, so go to the Lord and say, what is my next step? You know, what can I do to, this is where I want to be. You know, what's the next step? What's the next thing that I can do? It kind of, you know, that for me, that kind of brings it all back. So nobody should feel overwhelmed that, oh, I don't, my prayers aren't like that. Don't start comparing your prayers or your spiritual gifts or any of that. But just start with what you said before. Take a step and say, Heavenly Father, what do you want me to do differently in my prayers? And he'll tell you, you know, what's the next step for me? That That is so good. I love that. Just to not put you know, we put God in a box. We put prayer. This is the only way to pray. It's just so not like that. That's what I'm starting to to learn. And you have just opened my mind so much. I'm so grateful. Well, like, I'm so glad that you bring that up because like I say, I've been practicing this way of praying for almost three years Yeah, and it didn't start out the way it is now at all. It started out yeah. just imagining the people that I was praying for in a healed state. Like that was it. That's what I did for months, right? Like it was all very much line upon line. So I think it's really important that you bring that up, that it's what is the next step. And I've actually created a meditation class where I teach some of these practices for it really, I mean, I call it meditation, but for me, it is a powerful way of praying and communicating with the Lord. It's it's a Christian meditation class. So it's Christ-centered. It's not in an Eastern style of just empty your mind for 30 minutes or whatever is these are the practices and it very much is line upon line. Like we start with, we, we break things down. Basically we, we say prayers that are just using words and then we work on how to just see something and just to feel a prayer like Anna Green Gables. She has this moment where she says that she just wishes she could feel a prayer. <laughs> it's like, Oh, you can. And I know that Anne did too, but (laughs) like, there's just so many more elements that we can bring in that, that expands our experience. Like if we do the same thing over and over, we're not going to get different results. Right. 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 As we start to open to the possibility that we can do it different, that we can, we can actually go beyond that flip chart formality that like, oh my goodness, I have not had a boring prayer or a mindless prayer ever, ever since trying things differently. That's great. And I think as mothers, like if we can increase our communication and, and the, you know, the way we feel about God and the way that we pray, then we can pass that on to our children. Because I mean, I know for me, what I want my kids to leave my home spiritually grounded and knowing where to turn because I'm not always going to be there. And I want them to know that they can turn to God and they can have that relationship with him. So if we can learn that ourselves and then pass that on to our kids, like you have, you know, teaching, what did you call it? Prayer, prayer class or prayer lessons? Prayer lessons. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And you know what? The reason we're having prayer lessons is because we're struggling with prayer in our family. Like when it's time for family prayer, no kids want to say the prayer. They refuse to say the prayer. And my husband's like, what do we do? And so that's why we started having prayer lessons and it's totally transformed at least his personal prayers. And he has been a lot more willing to 
pray as a family too. But yeah, yeah like it's, but it does have to start with you. Like when yeah. you have your own experience, then it can move beyond. And I think that's the most important thing that we can teach our kids is how to hear and recognize the voice of the Lord in their life for them. Like the end, that's the most important yes. thing. <laughs> I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, we can't, they can't live on borrowed light. They can't live off of what we've, you know, just from us or they have to be able to do it on their own. That, that is the most important thing. What I'm, I've got kids that are leaving home and I want them to really know that. That's like the most important thing I want them to know is that they have perfect, a perfect friend in Jesus Christ, that he is always there. Everyone else is going to let you down, but if you know how to communicate with him, you're going to be okay. You know, you're going to, you're going to make it through. I love that. And I have loved, loved, loved talking to you. Like, I feel like we could just, we need a part two. Like, this is is (laughs) so good because, you know, we were talking before we started recording, like uh, doing this podcast is for me. Like I am learning so much from people like you. And so thank you so much. But I do have one final question that I want to ask you. And that is how you have seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood. Well, it completely comes down to that same experience of prayer and meditation because that's how I know him. Mm -hmm. Like I know him on a very personal level. Like I know what he looks like to me. And I, when I say that, um, I was recently at the church history museum in Salt Lake city. And on the very bottom floor, there's this amazing art exhibit by J. Kirk Richards. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he's an amazing artist and he has this, exhibit and it's over 200 portraits of Jesus Christ and they are all different. Some of them are really small and some of them are really big and none of them are the same. Some of them he has red hair, some of them he has brown hair, like, and they're all done in a little bit of an abstract way. Like they're not super detailed and the plate, the title plate on the wall, he says the reason that they're all different is because we all see Jesus Christ differently. Like, what does he look like to us? And as we come to know him personally, like a lot more of those details start to fill in. And so for me, as I have been on this journey of learning about prayer and meditation and what does, what does he literally look like to me and learning how to develop that gift to see spiritually and to have those conversations, that's how he's my partner in motherhood because mm-hmm. Every day we have this conversation and I ask him, what do I need to repent of? And what is my next step? And then I return and report. And it's just like any relationship, we develop this partnership because he's telling me what to do and then I do it and then I come back and I can ask more questions. And it's an opportunity that we have to work on all of this together. So that's how... I love it. I love it. It's (laughs) so great. Thank you for being so willing to share your stories and your faith. And I know that it's going to help someone else. So thank you so much. Thank you. This has been awesome. I love having conversations like this. That's great. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.